2: Hey kids, Kevin Goatee Gutting the Sacred Cow. Before we get into this week's episode, let's talk about Podcorn. Yeah, I love Podcorn. You heard them here before. You know why? Because they're awesome. Because what they do is they help podcasts like ours find other sponsorship opportunities like host read ads interview segments, topical discussions, whatever you want. With Podcorn, there is no middleman. If you're a small podcast, medium, large, it doesn't matter. You choose the opportunity you want. Set your own rates and collaborate with brands without any exclusivity. Best part is you never give up your rights to your podcast. And Podcorn is here to support you at every step and make sure you're protected and you get paid for the work you do. Click in my show notes to sign up for Podcorn, it's free, and start browsing for sponsorship opportunities. Podcorn, thank you so much for sponsoring this episode of Gutting the Sacred Cow. Here we go. Hey gang, how are you? Kevin Goatee, Gutting the Sacred Cow. Here we are, brand new week, brand new episode, and this week we've got Mo Mandel taking down under siege. That's right, Steven Seagal, die hard on a boat, 1992, whatever. Eric Aleniak jumping out of a cake, we remember that. wink. Wink. Before we get to it, hey, right now, as I record this, it is two weeks into our live show. Two weeks. Go to guttingthesacredcal.com right now to get your tickets. We do not have many left. I swear to you that is the case. It is socially distanced. You have to wear your mask inside the theater. We're watching The Karate Kid with Bill and Joanne from The Morning Show. And then a live episode right after that. But I am not kidding you. Only a few tickets remain. Get them Now. Secondly, if you have not yet done so, well, yet again, another Amazon 5-star rating, 2- or 3-sentence review request for those of our new friends who've just joined the podcast. If you have not left us a rating on your podcast platform of choice, please do so. We love you for that. GTSC Podcast on Twitter. And that's it. We're going to keep it simple this week. And now, without any further ado, here's Mo Mandel jumping aboard Under Siege. Take care.
3: Get ready. Is this
2: the man who wrecked the buffet at the Harrow Club? Kevin Israel, name that film.
3: Nope. Mo Mandel, name that film. The man who wrecked the buffet at the Harrow Club? Yes. Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, so close.
2: Is, that, is this the man who missed it by oh, that much? Man? <laughs> I thought that was Always easy one.
3: one of those two films. No matter what the question is, it's always one of those two films.
2: Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel, back with Gutting the Sacred Cow. How is it going, folks? We are here. First and foremost, thank you so much for telling your friends and subscribing to this podcast. And thank you for continuing to give us those five-star ratings, two- or three-sentence reviews on the podcast platform of choice. Today, we are joined by fellow comedian Mo Mandel, hailing all the way out in Portland, Oregon. You know, Clyde Drexler's backyard. How you doing, Mo? I'm doing great, man. I love that current reference, by the way. Clyde <laughs> Drexler. Yeah, I stopped watching the NBA in 2000, <laughs> so that's as far as we get back.
3: I get realize back. we're on Zoom right now, and I realize I have like this beard font. Do you notice that on my thing? There's like a little like outline of a beard. Uh, oh, sometimes- I see that. Yeah, because I was playing poker with my buddies the other day, and we were like playing around with these stupid fonts because we're you know almost forty and we're essentially twelve years old, so I'm trying to get that thing off. Not that it doesn't look awesome.
2: We're working with it. It's it's, it's making cinematic slash podcast magic. Podcast magic happen. Kevin Israel, how are you, sir? Not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah. Now,
0: what's, what's it been like? Uh, eight months now since we've been in a room together. Uh,
2: yeah, exactly eight months. It's been was March. I miss that furry face of yours. I know, I know. I I miss staring in the eyes
0: of Nazi Germany. (laughs)
2: Um, Isn't it great? You get lost in those eyes like a sailor, you know, shipwrecked and floating down the ocean. They're deep blue and entrancing. (laughs) Uh, Speaking uh, of sailors. Hey-oh, we've got a film for you. Mo Mandel has chosen the first Steven Seagal film to appear in this podcast. Really? Yes.
3: possibly the only. That is insane. The man has makes what, 798 films, all the same film. How well, is seven, because them? 791
2: wouldn't qualify. I take that back. One other would qualify, and that is out for justice, because that is, in fact, a crowd favorite. As you all know, the, the, our guests picked the films, but it must meet one of the three criteria, financial success, widely beloved, or critically acclaimed. And Seagal's films, really most of them aren't meeting those criteria. But Moe's selected 1992's Under Siege, as everyone like to call it, Die Hard on a Ship, a budget in 1992 of $12 million, bringing in a haul of $156.6 million. Now, in 2020 dollars, a $22.3 million budget, a haul of $291 million, his most successful film ever. Rotten to me. Sorry, IMDb. I'm getting ahead of myself. IMDb is a 1 through 10 scale with decimal points. Mo, what did Under Siege score in the old IMDb?
3: Um, I'm going to say six. I don't feel like cinema fans really fully embrace Seagal as they shouldn't. So I would say an accurate six. No, oh,
2: shame on you. Out for justice is a goddamn is cinema verite. Kevin Israel, what is your guess for this? Oh, video? took my guess. So uh, I
0: am going to go 6-3. Six, six. Uh, that's, like
3: that's like the bullshit Price yeah. is Right. Damn it, right at
2: $1. 6-5 is. is
3: the ah, answer. I'll take it. Oh, I'll take whatever. the win.
2: <laughs> Kevin Fair Israel, enough. you're going to go first on the Rotten Tomatoes, which is a 1-100 one through 100 score. What did the critics give Under Siege? Oh, uh,
3: 52. Mo trying to think like at that time was this i wonder if this was seen as very derivative of diehard at that time or if they were like actually fooled by the fact that it was just on a boat had some good actors in it I- i'm gonna go with 65 i think at the time it was seen as better kevin
2: israel you said what again 52 79 oh. what
3: the credits Seven. one, and one. Nine.
2: That's
0: Because it had
3: Tommy Lee Jones in it, in like his prime, you know? So it must have – it kind of tricked people a little bit. Don't forget the Busey.
2: Don't you dare the Busey. Busey, Who Who could forget Busey and drag? Mo, give me the audience score for Under Siege on Rotten Tomatoes. 90.
0: (laughs) 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 Those movies
3: were – that movie was huge, man. Kevin, uh,
2: 81.
0: 62. The critics scored it. That and is Rotten like, Tomatoes is a sham.
3: Dude, that is and bullshit. I'm, that's the only time that's ever happened on one of these fucking very movies. rare.
2: <laughs> it, is, it is very rare. Especially, especially this kind of movie. Yeah, I know.
3: Exactly. Usually it's like the critics are like, <coughs> oh, The Rock movie ate. And the audience is like, I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And who doesn't? And I'm one love of those people. I love The Rock. I love who doesn't?
2: Yeah. The Rock movie. Yeah, oh, re- re- rewatch it again not too long ago in honor of Sean Connery just to get my fix. Quotes. And this is my favorite one. I've said this since I saw the day this film came out. Get my pies out of the oven. Yeah. I have one rule. Well, actually two. I don't date musicians and I don't kill people. What are you going to do when you get 200 million in the bank? Buy the presidency? Look at Busey doing a Trump impression, guys. How did he know?
3: Prophetic. Next
2: Next one. Drown your own crew. They never loved me anyway. I bet they fucking love you now. Uh, he's in a gunfight right now. I'm going to have to take a message. I love cheesy '90s dialogue. Last one. You're in the Navy. It's not
3: just a job. Ah, adventure
2: of fine. <laughs> you son of a bitch! Come
0: on, that was-
3: Seagal has a great Seagal has a great comeback there too. Because when she says, "I don't kill people. I don't date musicians," then later on when she kills somebody, goes. Next, you're gonna be dating musicians. Yeah. So like, Ooh, nice call. You day. gotta really follow the dialogue to keep up with the humor yeah, under yeah, Siege. Yeah.
2: Kevin, any other quotes that I left for you? If I I mean you ball?
0: really pulled all the meat from the bone. Sorry. Uh, I, I just have two left. One, uh, which made me a little uncomfortable because they were saying it to a black guy was
3: hey, cue ball, show us your moves. That was gonna <laughs> say that's like that was exactly one of the most cringe worthy <laughs> things ever. The soon as a black guy walks in the room, he's like, hey! Do a little dance. This <laughs> <Dance laughs> is the, the most racist, yeah. weird thing. He Hello, my baby. On- Hello, my honey. Hello, my yeah, exactly. ragtime gal. Yeah. And yeah. Seagal almost takes on like a. Jew. Yeah, he takes on like almost like his version of a black voice. We like, "Hey, cue ball. Show me some moves. D- oh, the, show me some moves, Jack." <laughs> like, the funny thing about that really scene
0: weird. is they show Seagal starting to dance with him. And it looks so awkward that it, when it goes back to him, he's just like leaning up against the wall. The director was probably like, no,
3: just and, stand and there. Cue Ball didn't seem like he could dance either. Like he was, oh, like, it was horrible. Like it he watched the room and he was like, I don't dance. I keep. I always tell you that I don't dance. Why do you always ask me to do moves? Cue so like, Ball oh, said,
2: said, said, listen, I did not make the cut in breaking one or breaking two. What makes you think <laughs> I should do it here? Oogaloo. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Turbo and Ozone, way better than me. And the and the follow-up to that,
0: uh, you want to see my moves? And then he rapily kisses, yes.
3: who
2: clearly did not want to kiss him. <laughs>
3: well, uh, Anderson, I – I'm have... going to fight you on that. I'm going to fight you on that, but I'll save yeah. that for my opening salvo.
2: Mo, any quotes that stood out to you,
3: sir? Um, yeah. Well, there's one good one where he uh, – it's after he kills the main bad guy, Tommy Lee Jones – They ADR in a line. I wrote it down because, like, it was clearly, like, uh, later on, they're like, oh, we need, like, him to say, like, a one-liner, and he didn't say it. So (laughs) as he's walking off, he says – what does he say? He goes something like, like, uh, don't lose – what does he say? I don't know. Let freedom reign or some shit like that where he didn't say it in the thing. So you just see him walk off, and when the camera's behind him, you just hear, let freedom reign, something, Uh, and you're just like – you know, clearly they were watching. Like, eh, Seagal doesn't really have enough charm or yeah. delivery to hit it in the moment. But if we're Lisa going with this, comedy,
2: <laughs> if we're going with the whole Die Hard on a Boat allegory, we can't say Yippie Kaye, motherfucker. So let's find something as
3: close to that, <laughs> but with nationalism. Go. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's funny because, like, he clearly isn't funny, Seagal. So when no. they try to do the one-liners, they always fall short, and then a lot of times you can tell they're having to kind of add them in and post.
2: And I I will tell you one of the funniest stories I've ever heard about Steven Seagal. That's a ten on a one through ten, but it's not an intentional ten, it's an unintentional ten. One gal was on Stern years ago and said she was with Seagal, and he comes out of a room. He goes, I just read the greatest script ever. And she goes, No kidding, who wrote it? He goes, I did. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> How great is that?
3: The greatest the thing is- you could see, and Segal, you should—if you're listening, YouTube this. It's Steven Seagal's energy drink. There is a YouTube video of him making like, well, it seems like a homemade commercial for an energy drink, and it's just fucking unbelievable. The commercial involves like him creepily shoving some girl into a pool that he's filled up with his energy drink and it's just so weird man but it's like a real commercial like clearly like some dude in Yugoslavia thought he could launch this line and Seagal's there in the commercial it's really a good time gotta pay the rent he probably is gonna be the third guy to enter the uh, COVID vaccine into the market you watch
2: five fun facts five fun facts The reason Seagal cut off his signature ponytail is that the Navy forbids more than four inches of hair.
3: Hmm. Fun
2: fact. Eric Kalaniak was actually Miss July 89 in Playboy. Also, the same Playboy that Kevin McAllister McAllister finds in Buzz's room in Home Alone. Wow. Right? That is is tangential. Who claimed... well, Well, she did go for it. I'll give you... Well, three, two of the three you can get. Give me the three actresses, three actresses in general, who went for the role of Miss July, but turned down the role because of Steven Seagal's casting couch advances. Two super huge names in the early 90s. I'll even give you a bigger hint. They were in Playboy 2. Pam Anderson. One.
0: Uh, 40, uh, the other one.
3: Cox?
2: No. No. What's
0: her name? The from the she had a, the reality show. She died of the overdose.
3: Oh fuck!
2: Blonde with yeah. bigger boobs. And Nicole Smith Anderson. No. Yeah. No. The answer. Jenny McCarthy. Oh, oh wow.
3: Wait a minute, so you're telling me that at the time he made inappropriate advance on both of them and they still just went on with the film?
2: And Portia de Rossi was the third one, yes. They all went for it and they, they all brought him in for auditions and he goes, well, you have to do this. And they all have the same story. Apparently, according on the internet, allegedly, they all had the same exact story. So if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck. Wait, so what did
0: he tell them they had to? I
2: mean, obviously we know. You, have, have, to, to, you have to fuck to pretty much to get this part.
3: All right. Dude, that's so funny. Like... And that was when? What year? Like ninety-six or something? No, no, no. Not... This came out in ninety-two. So yeah, so, could... they went... so it 94. still took another like 30 years for the Me Too movement. <laughs> like even though shit like that was happening rampantly, they were like,
1: eh, we're yeah, Harvey, Harvey
2: Weinstein wasn't jerking off in the plants yet. This is how pre-Me Too this was.
3: <laughs> yeah, he was like dry humping cactuses. Like he was just <laughs> starting out. Number three, four.
2: Steven Seagal is only in the film for a scant 41 minutes.
3: That seems surprising. I feel like he's basically the whole movie.
2: I got to nope. say, it's probably a, was a good decision by the editors. Number five, video stores had to constantly replace their VHS copies as the Erica Aleniak strip T scene was frequently paused and rewound, causing tapes to break. And I will say, in the goatee household, that was in the top three most paused scenes as I learned to find myself as a youth. I have to say... I remember that scene being much
0: longer than it was.
3: Yeah, it's very quick. It is very quick. Although her, her breasts are like pretty astounding still. Mm, they're they're they giant.
0: Up. And f- I think when she was in Playboy, she didn't have those fake boobs. Oh, that's, that's some deep, they're that's real, a deep dark trivia. Real
3: nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know why you think of it as being longer is because they used it in the trailer, I remember. Like they definitely used her coming out of the cake in the trailer. Yeah. So, but that she was didn't even cool. come
2: out of a cake, did she?
0: In
3: she hundred percent yeah, did. Oh yeah, yeah. She, she was did knocked come out. Of out, a cake, out and, yeah. And,
2: all right. Well, listen. Apparently, Mo's is, is all coked up like Seagal on the casting couch, ready to go and try and take down Under siege. So, I don't want to hold this man back, Kevin Israel. Let's have Mo gut, gut, gut the, the
3: sacred, sacred cow. cow. Ah. All right, so I have to admit, though, I'm a little nervous because I thought I really – fuck. like I said, I'm a huge action movie guy. The Rock, I fucking love. Van Damme, I love. Seagal, I've always like been just not on board with, and I really thought I fucking hated this movie, and then I watched it again last night, much to the chagrin of my wife, who I forced to watch most of it with me, and I was like, it's not as bad as I thought. It pretty much – my complaints completely – come to Seagal and his absolute lack of being a compelling character. He's not a human being. Every scene with Seagal, he seems like a fucking alien in this movie. You know, they keep trying to make it seem, like okay, he walks in at first, he just sort of has this weird voice that makes no sense, his accent was like, hey, Joey, what's the haps, man? Hey, what's going on? And then everyone's just sort of like, ha ha ha! Like everybody always like laughs at everything he says. He's like, the shit wasn't funny at all and it was weird and he's dressed like, all in black, like a ninja for some reason. It's just like, it's just perpetually odd, right? He doesn't seem like a real guy and he never is actually able to connect like a human being. And you see it, especially in the scenes with the love interest where he's like instantly just, so irritated by her presence he actually physically picks her up and slams her into a locker like i think twice and locks her in and then in classic early 90s fucking misogynistic fashion she's crying her eyes out is she scared of the terrorists is she scared of claustrophobia no she says i hate being alone <laughs> <laughs> it's just like jesus and he just has this like Immediately, she goes to his little sister, who he just can't stand. And that really, like, just throws you off. Because, like, if it was a better movie, if he was a better leading man, like, why isn't there any romantic tension there? Why isn't there any story there? Why don't we see anything building? It's just sort of her being a complete pain in the ass. Him just being like, this fucking annoying bitch. The whole time, he can't stand her. And then at the end, they're like... Uh, he has to kiss her because it's just kind of weird if he doesn't, you know. But in all of his movies, there's like a complete lack of like sexual chemistry that he ever has with any of the other actresses, which is kind of astounding to hear that he's also this much of a casting couch kind of scumbag because it really seems like he's just like couldn't give a fuck about this woman. You know, she's like – he at one point he literally just picks her up and like puts her on top of like a dresser, like something that's just in the way, and he has his. Get her the fuck out of there, so that's my main concern with the film was that like they're just like what could be a really you know good love story, and not that I 'm the action movie guy who needs out a love story, but it's just sort of like it's there. she's a playmate at one point he's literally putting a condom on a piece of the <laughs> missile. Yep. And he's got a playmate next to her. He makes no sexual innuendo or joke at all. It's just completely like like he doesn't even connect the dots, you know? <laughs> Not that he I has thought to say the some,
0: same exact thing. Didn't, she didn't even ask what are you doing. No, she didn't ask what you doing. She's just like, "Oh, okay, he's taking apart a
3: nuclear missile, makes sense. He let, pulls out a Trojan. Let, let,
2: let me ask you boys this. Why would he need a condom on a ship full of dudes unless he's gay?"
3: I mean, Everything about this movie would imply that he was gay, and then he kisses her at the end. I mean, it's there's just so many scenes where he seems gay, where he's just sort of like, she's like naked, and so not that he has to perv out, but he's just sort of like, What the fuck are you doing here, beautiful naked woman? Get the fuck out of here, you know? Like, it it, it just like, like she's just there's so many situations that should be kind of sexual or at least, you know, tension building, and he's just sort of like, Ugh. Naked woman, away. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to do my fucking cook thing. (laughs) He
2: could have looked at her and goes, yeah, you know what? A regular for a missile, I'm a Magnum.
3: I mean, just something, you know? (laughs) Some shitty line. And then, uh, okay, another thing that I'm on the fence about this one, like Gary Busey dressing up in drag, like it's kind of refreshing to have something so just avant-garde and weird in an action movie. But it just makes no sense. Nothing. Zero. It's like Gary (laughs) Busey wanted to go, like, he was, like, you know, a pretentious actor from theater school and was like, look, I'm going to do this fucking schlock fest, but, like, let me do, like, some weird shit where I dress up in drag or something like that. Because logically, it makes no sense for him to do that. I mean, he's on his way to go get the captain to shoot him, but he's like, I should probably put on a dress while I do that and blow kisses at the other sailors. I mean, it's just completely illogical. It's so funny that you say that, word. Or when is it? And <laughs> that scene
0: happened, and he went up to the captain's quarters. I was like, oh, that's right. He needed that costume to hide something in there. I thought he was hiding something. Yeah. And then he just pulls out the little pistol. I was like, oh, yeah, guess what? Right. Right. I I Barry just wanted to too. dress up as a woman.
3: Yeah, I thought he was like uh, – I thought he was trying to distract the guys or something like that, but no, he, he, there was no reason to do it. It was um, – You know, it's an odd thing to want to do. You're about to, you know, hijack a a ship, steal nuclear bombs. You're like, wait, let's try out some drag for a bit, you know, just on my way to do that. It just really just seemed like a weird thing to shoehorn in. Um,
2: With huge tits, too, nonetheless.
3: Yeah, I mean, but, you know, I mean, he's got the figure for it.
2: Not the not the first time that Gary Busey willingly put on female clothes and uh, makeup. That's definitely not the first time. No, I think that was his idea. It like, was. Yeah. It actually was in. The, it was in the note. It was in research. That was his idea. Do it straight, and then do it as a woman. And he kind of goes, "Yep, yeah, we're going to go like this." And the director goes, "All right, we're going to do it like this." And that was. That's so funny. That's great. true
3: because I'm I'm not surprised to hear that because I really was like that seems like something a pretentious actor wanted to do to like make something more of the, the role, and he does do a good job with the role. But that that part is crazy. Another great part that is completely unnecessary that's in the film is. Right when they're taking it over, you see these guys rappelling down from like the top deck, and there's these guards below. So you figure the guys are going to rappel down and like surprise them, but instead, as they're rappelling down, other bad guys just come and shoot the guards, and then the guys rappel down right there. Right. Like, so it was like, well, why did why the fuck did you just like go down the back staircase? That was that was completely unnecessary. Right. That that threw me off a little bit.
0: Because rappelling is awesome.
3: repelling is awesome. There I also. Is. Another problem with the plot is uh, Seagal's big, like you know, the idea is that he's a disgraced military officer or something like that, but because his uh, his platoon or whatever had been ambushed in fucking Panama, they all died in the Panama War. Did anyone even die in that war? I mean, I don't even think that was like a real thing. I think they
0: they were supposed to be like a uh, like a special. He was a Navy SEAL and he's supposed to be like a special ops crew, and I think there was some. There were in the 80s, in the mid to late 80s, there was some violence in Panama. Well, we
2: there spent. was
3: like, yeah, Noriega, we, we, the
0: whole Noriega thing,
3: right? I know. But that's just I don't know. It's just such a like such an undramatic. <laughs> I think now to, us, to bring we're, up
0: we're so far removed from it. And we've been through so many bigger battles in the Middle East. Panama seems like something. But I think at the time, it probably made more sense.
3: I don't know. My feeling is I'm like, dude, fucking really? You couldn't come up with a better thing? Like they were the one guys who died in Panama or whatever. Maybe I'm wrong. But I I mean, I was alive at that time. I remember even as a kid being like, this war, this war is pretty weak. Um,
2: <laughs> I give it a four on the war I give it a four. <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean, another thing that's annoying is that um, – he knows how to disarm a nuclear bomb in some very complex way that makes no, like at one point he's like heating, it looks like he's making pasta and he's letting the steam go up into the nuclear warhead. He's taking it off. You're like, there's no reason he would know how to do that. Like it just doesn't make any sense, you know? And I know that's like nitpicking, but it just sort of goes to my overall thing that his character is just sort of like, an alien like he just doesn't seem like like why couldn't he like have to figure out how to do it or like you know interact with a guy who's a scientist or you know there's like so many like ways they could build tension and make it more interesting instead he's just sort of like I'm an automaton I just do everything my hair is always perfectly slicked back like Pat Riley and uh, you know I got this annoying woman next to me that I'm tolerating you know I think he kills literally every single person on the boat too one other guy gets you know killed by somebody else but I think he literally kills about 70 people during this movie so I guess that's why he couldn't focus on the woman. He had to really focus on the task at hand. Hmm. So basically I would say this. It's actually a very compelling movie with just like a guy who brings it completely down. Like the star not only apparently was super molesty during the casting process, but just drops it into kind of like schlock action when actually with the better actor and somebody who was actually like a human, it could have actually been like a fucking great movie. Because uh, you had the best villains that you've had in like pretty much any action movie, you know. Tommy Lee Jones and and uh, Gary Busey are like fucking incredible.
2: Yeah, they were definitely good in in this film. It, it, it helped elevate. In fact, fun another fun fact: Andrew Davis, who directed this film, also did a little film a year later called The Fugitive. And when Harrison Ford watched Under Siege, he goes, "Yep," because they were still trying to figure out who was going to direct it. He goes, "Yep, that's my guy." Based on this film.
3: Wow. All right. So he, w- he apparently was convinced. That's
2: fascinating. Isn't it? I would it? never guess that. Well, why would you? <laughs>
3: <laughs> it is a little unclear, though, what Tommy Lee Jones's is. His character's journey is kind of weird because basically it starts out in this interesting way where you think they're revolutionaries, and he has that great scene on the phone where he's sort of like pretending to be crazy, and the guys are like, oh, he's lost it. Then you realize, oh, no, this is actually all about money. But then when the money's off the table, then he just – becomes crazy again and he's going to launch all the missiles and he says to him he goes uh, he's launched missiles at honolulu he goes sit back and watch the world burn down it's like i mean you're blowing up honolulu I mean, the world's <laughs> gonna be all right you know what i mean like some tourists are gonna get fucked up i mean it's gonna be a bad day but like the world can survive honolulu taking a shot I-,
2: I mean the worst thing that you did was just wipe off Pretty much everyone's first choice on their destination for honeymoons. Other than that, it's not going to be the worst thing. Oh, yeah, and you up a lot of
3: guys. A lot of guys who have gone to uh, you know taking their their honeymoons on uh, timeshares. You know, right. a lot of those guys got taken out. A lot of Groupon holidays got taken out. But the oh, you, all, make you,
2: it. you also crucified. Uh, you also just destroyed the macadamia market, macadamia nut market. So good on you, Tommy. Which isn't even which isn't even one of the, the top
3: three nuts. I would say so. I mean, I no,
2: not even close. If you're not, you're not talking pecans, I don't want to talk to you, all right? Move along, guys.
3: <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much where – yeah, there's just like little little moments with Seagal that are just kind of like irritate me. Like when he's on the phone with that military phone, <laughs> she goes, what is that? Instead of just being like, I'm calling the military. He goes, it's an MX-20 something something. And it's like she did not need to know the fucking – like you don't have to show off. It's so obnoxious. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just to say I'm calling for help.
0: But further to that – what, what did she think it was? He's clearly putting on like a headphone. He's about to talk. It's obvious what it is. It's no, not like he pulled out like a, a like a, a space shuttle or something. And was like, oh, we're gonna use this. It's a fucking phone. It was obviously a phone. I'm over oh, it.
3: Doubling down on dumb blonde with her like the whole time. Well, I mean, he's well, just like complete idiot.
2: Also, in the notes. He was very much having a, a female companion like this in a movie, and he was very against that idea. And that's why he shows such gives her, her rank or to, told her. Interesting or, why
3: her. do you know why he said he was against it? No, I don't.
2: Uh, sorry, the buck stops here and I because I talk about it, that. It's <laughs> interesting because
3: he really does seem to present it. Like I think he's such a not good actor that all of that actually comes <laughs> out in his character. But the the grossest line is you quoted it in one of the best lines of the, you know, one liners is she, they're in a gunfight, and because she's a woman with a thing, she immediately becomes his secretary. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, he's, he's in the middle of a gunfight. Can I take a message, please? Like, you expect him to just be like, smoking a cigarette and slapping her on the ass. Like, she becomes <laughs> like a 1950s secretary all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> Run along,
2: like in Goldfinger. Run along, honey. Man talk.
3: Right, right, right. It, it exactly <laughs> becomes that. I mean, and then, so as I remembered it, it was even more so like that. And then watching it again last night, I was like, oh, well, at least they let her kill uh, Cole Meany there at the end. You know, so at least she gets like one win. But besides that, she's probably one of the more pathetic, you know, film heroines that I can think of.
2: By the way, Cole Meany, never been in a film role where I'm like, I just, you want to punch him in every role he's been in. It's that Con Air, top two biggest asshole roles you've seen him in.
3: Yeah. 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 No, he's definitely like just a British dick. Oh, yeah. He's like the British Rob Hubel. (laughs) <laughs> you can tell he's a soccer again when he's not making films. Most likely, yeah. But again, a good a good get for this film. I mean, like, sure. those three guys are, like, you know, all, like, pretty serious. I wonder what it's like to be, like, a guy like Tommy Lee Jones doing a film with Steven Seagal, where, like, you're a classically trained actor, you know, you've done all this thing, and you're just like, this fucking lug <laughs> is the star of this film? He just kept it's, looking at his paycheck.
2: Yeah. Well... I'll also remind you guys of another – and great point, Mo. and this is what's making me dovetail into my next one here about this. If you recall when they filmed Batman Forever, (laughs) Tommy Lee Jones hated Jim Carrey so much. He goes, why the fuck are you in this film? You have no business being on a stage with me. You're a silly-ass actor who talks out of his assholes. I'm not going to give you shit. And made his life a living hell. So that's a great pickup by you. I wonder if he did the same disrespectful stance towards Seagal as he did with Jim Carrey. I guess, I think Steven Seagal might have a modicum or two more respect because he knows hapkido and fucking jujitsu and shit, and can wreck Tommy Lee Jones in a tenth of his. Also, he has, I mean,
3: don't forget he he tore out a guy's throat at the end of that movie, and in mm-hmm. many other movies. So you know, even if you see a guy do that on camera, the old throat snatch. Oh yeah, you know, that, that commands a little respect. He was also
0: not in many scenes actually with Steven Seagal. It was really only the end Why? where they were yeah. together.
3: That's it. Yeah. Where they're doing that like weird knife thing. That I strangest knife that, fight I've ever seen. Like that's, is it, yeah. is you heard a knife <laughs> fight when you hold it like this? I don't see how this could be easier, but anytime Seagal's in a knife fight, he's like, Oh wait, hold on. Yeah. Now you're fucked. I mean, there's just – that's no way that's easier, right? I don't know. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a Aikido warrior, but that still seems very fucking awkward.
2: That should be in your podcast. Say it again. Jews take over the media. Did I get it right? No, it's called
3: Jews Control the Media. Jews yeah. Control the Media. That's- yeah, Jews Control the Media. We pretty much just, uh, you know, we do what we do. We just control the media, which you guys are welcome for, by the way, uh, non-Jews. And, uh, you know, we go into, like, different Jew-related issues, both good and bad, and also just sort of general stuff and Jew it up. You know, I'm a, I'm a Jew, a lot of bagels. Yeah, I could tell.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I got it.
0: Is Your
3: last name is Israel, right? I mean, that's not. Uh, oh, that's, I think uh, I've
0: I, at least once a week. Somebody asks me, are you Jewish? Like, that would be the worst
2: irony
3: in the world. Yeah. You're like, actually, I hate Jews. My life is a nightmare.
2: <laughs> See the swastika I've tattooed on my hands. Yeah. <laughs> so Fucking we have
3: overcompensate. Yeah.
2: Mo, uh, any other points before we, we move along? Again, as long uh, as you want. There's
3: one thing I wrote down. Uh Seagal's running, the way he runs, is just the worst thing you've ever seen in any movie. And there's some there's some uh, compilations online. If you go to Seagal running, it's just <laughs> incredible. Because he always like his hands are like too like loose or something like that. So when he runs, there's always like a lot of like movement with his hands. And there's a great moment of that in this movie when he's running over to the to the helicopter, and he just looks like such a fucking idiot with his arms just like raised all over the place. So that you know, that's like a general Seagal note, but it's fun. Take a look at Seagal running compilations on YouTube; it will blow your mind. Like I, I don't understand how directors weren't like, "Whoa, we need to." <laughs> you can't use that in the film. It's just so utterly unathletic and ridiculous. He and Napoleon Dynamite's
2: <laughs> running style annoy the fuck out of me. I said it before in our Napoleon Dynam- Dynamite episode, they both look like I- – I've seen heroin addicts run with more grace than either of those two.
3: It's almost confusing when you watch Seagal run. You know, like, right. It's almost like how could this be actually <laughs> – how do you do that? I don't know. It's very
2: and funny. if you're a fan like I am, you've watched that show he did, I don't know, about 10 years ago called Lawman, where he's oh. a morbidly obese New Orleans cop. And it takes him a good minute 45 just to get out of a cop car while they have two other guys chase the cops, the, the the perp down, put their knee on their back, and then wait for Seagal to huff and puff his fat ass on over. And then the then the perp go, hey, man, you're seeing Seagal. And Seagal's like, I am. And you're under arrest.
3: Seagal, (laughs) I have one tiny little personal connection. Seagal, I grew up in a very tiny town, like maybe about 700 people. We would have like a big rodeo every year. And somehow Steven Seagal came to that rodeo one time. I guess he was like training like sheriff dogs the town over. He was doing some weird shit like that. So he actually did come to the rodeo and he was a pretty fat motherfucker. I remember <laughs> even as a kid just being like, dude, he looks like he is fucking chunking it up. He does not look like the uh Segal from the film. Well, he can't
0: run. Of course he got fat.
3: Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Like he, there's no way he could run on a uh like a treadmill with that fucking goofy gait.
2: <laughs> the goofy gait. I love alliteration. You had me there.
3: So that's pretty much it. Yeah, those are my those are my main complaints. Right. I mean, again, like as much as I'm talking shit, like, I've seen March for Death a bunch. I've seen all of his movies. So oh, I have too.
2: Ad nauseum.
3: And I don't know if I am hate watching them or just, like, I guess as a guy who's tried to be an actor myself. It's so irritating to see a guy who's a movie star who can't fucking act at all. Like, just is the worst. And you're like, oh, that guy made it. So maybe a lot of it's my own bitterness and jealousy because I do like watching his movies, but I shouldn't.
2: Yeah, well, can you throw a spinning roundhouse kick in your prime mode? Maybe and then you guys can get, he? get a, he yeah. never. No, he never in throw a beginning. spinning. Yeah. He could yeah. never yeah. do that. He just did, like, the arm shit. I the break in the air. Yeah, you're right. That's that's more Van Damme with, like, the crescent kicks
3: and shit like that. Yeah, no. Van is my hero. I mean, Van Damme could do all that shit. I yeah, mean, but
2: Van Damme, yeah. oh, his film, you want to talk about Seagal films versus Van Damme films. My brother and I had this ongoing oh, Van Damme's
3: films are a thousand times better. No,
2: they're not. Bloodsport that's is enough. excellent. And after Bloodsport, it is a precipitous nosedive downward. That's, yeah.
3: I can't even have this conversation. With well, then, well, then. Kick, was kickboxer. 20. Kickboxer's phenomenal.
2: It is. Watch it again. It's not good. Rewatch it on Prime four months ago. Not that you good. Bleed.
3: He'd like Ch- my lead.
2: Yeah. My I like, Lee. He's remade Bloodsport three times and called it different names. Not the quest. The, quest. the Quest is awful. With, with Roger Moore, get the fuck out of here. I'm not going to have this. So call, I
3: love Van Damme. I love Van Damme. Universal is good. Soldiers great. Universal Soldiers good. good. Hard Target's terrible.
2: Heart, Street Fighter.
3: Target's not good. But Heart- you, Lionheart's good. I like Lionheart. Good. A lot. Good. Was not Lionheart great. when he was like the French? Yeah, yes. The French yes. Yes. Yeah. The,
0: the, yeah. <laughs>
3: with the, the, the French
2: Lesion guy. Yeah. He <laughs> his, his accent. And it was the little girl from Growing Pains was his niece. Did you know that? Oh, yeah, that's right. The film yeah. was not good. Cyborg so, you know, was it. good. Oh, that was fucking... I rewatched it for a podcast last Thursday. That film was a fucking woolly mammoth
0: yes. abortion. Cyborg.
3: That was good. Double Impact was great. Oh, that oh, was so bad. Double
0: Impact. That was the one where he has sex and
3: the other
2: guys like feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. So
3: I don't know bad, that, but <laughs> so I do ever like it. That one bad, laugh. yeah. <laughs>
2: and, and, and another steroided out. Bolo Young, although excellent, but that film is terrible. Dude, all you need is to listen, Segal. This out for justice
3: alone. Trump and Van Dam's entire library. Entire That's just ridiculous. Library. No, because you have to think about their. I mean, Van Damme, Mar- even if you don't like the film, when he's doing that fucking jump kick, when he's going like, ah, like that scream he does, it's awesome. Like, it's just the best. all they- like, even in his best movies, he's just like, hey, what are you doing? Yeah, he I mean, was the big, tall fucking idiot. Like, he just sort of, it never, Van Damme, you're like, oh, I wish I looked like that. I wish I could move like that. So you're like, this dude needs to fucking, you know, hit a salad bar yeah and then van dam gets
2: beat up and scores by chuck zito so you tell me how effortless is and excellent his martial arts are if he gets beat up by a hell's angel hmm well i mean well I mean, Hell, aha, hell's angel page.
3: hell's angel a pretty good person to get beat up by i mean yeah but if a guy gets beat up he by hates, bill gates if he, if he's an 18 degree black belt he should be able to fucking crest and
2: kick him in the nuts that's ridiculous Kevin Israel, I believe it is your turn to go first for the notes, so if you please. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Well, so first of all, I went into this movie
0: kind of excited. While I questioned whether or not it actually fell within our, within our categories, I deferred to, uh, to the creator of Gutting the Sacred Cow's decision and, uh, and went with it because this was a very big movie in the, uh, in the 90s. Uh, I was excited to see it. I'd seen, I think I'd actually seen this whole movie once, and I went into it thinking I had a pretty good grasp on what goes on in this movie. And I realized I had no idea of the plot. I did not, and, and there is, a, and and Mo is one hundred percent right. There's actually a pretty interesting plot. A pissed off CIA agent is they gets is pissed gets angrier because they try to kill him. So he comes up with this great plot to hijack a ship and sell the missiles off. And you know because he obviously has the knowledge. They never really explain a, a lot of background. They never explain how uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey's character ever hooked up. They never explained how that relationship came to be. or That's a good
3: point because one thing I, w- I was noticing just when I rewatched it is at the end, Seagal says to, Steven, uh, to Tommy Lee Jones, he goes, I know you don't die. He goes, it's been a long time. And then they never – That's it. Yes. That. <laughs> just yeah. like what? Tommy Lee Jones' character, and like
0: Mo said, was, was probably the most interesting – was more hands down the most interesting yeah. character in this movie. And they didn't know what to do with him. And I really think Gary Busey and Tommy Lee Jones got into a room and were like, I can out-crazy you. And they just went for it. And Tommy Lee Jones fucking won. He beat Gary Busey in a crazy contest, which is really a testament to Tommy Lee Jones' acting.
3: I would Um, love to see what the script, just because I think you're 100% right. I bet the script had those characters super stock and boring. And then they were like, look, we're doing this for a payday. What can we do? Yeah. How do we make these guys interesting?
0: Like in the beginning, when Tommy Lee Jones comes on the ship and he's supposed to be a member of the band, it really looks like he just went into like the wardrobe truck and looked around and was like, I'll wear that and that. Give me those glasses. Let's go. I got this. Because first of all, my immediate question was, what point what did Tommy Lee Jones do in the band? It looked like it was a black jazz band or like a, a blues and funk band. And with this white guy who played the harmonica a couple of times. Like, if I was on the helicopter, I'd be like, "What the? who the fuck are you? And why <laughs> yeah, are you – right,
3: right, you serve
0: right. no – you don't fit
3: into this. It seemed, like, confusing that they have this giant ceremony. They have a playmate and then just, like, your average dive bar rock band. Right. I mean, they were. I mean, like, why weren't they, like, a one-hit wonder? or Like, I don't think just, like, random bands would do right. that. Gig, it wasn't
0: like Bon know? Jovi came on. No. They, it, uh, yeah, it was it, – right. It was a cover band they brought on. Also, the security on a battleship is clearly terrible. Like, you have this captain who's been in the Navy forever. They, they approve this helicopter to come in. He, he lies, Gary Busey lies to everybody and tells everybody a different story. And everybody else is just like, oh, okay. Like, I'm not going to go check with the captain on this or anything. We'll just buy into it because you said so. And then you find out everybody hates Gary Busey anyway. And the captain knows he's fucking out of his mind. And nobody's, nobody questions Gary Busey once in this whole cockamamie plan, and it all goes off without a... I mean, obviously, until Steven Seagal gets involved. It goes off without a hitch. Like Everything happens perfectly. And he, and Tommy Lee Jones, Eve goes, four minutes ahead of schedule. Yeah, because you're on the Navy ship full of the dumbest
3: sailors in the Navy. And the only time the crew does like Gary Busey is when he dresses up like <laughs> a woman. That's the only time one of the guys goes... Guess Grill's not such an asshole after yes. all. Like that, that won you over? That fucking insane. <laughs> he's spinning a guy's
0: soup, but him in drag is okay. Oh, he's all right. He's all right. Did anybody, and, and just to add to how dumb the sailors are on this ship, who would anybody in the world think that uh, Steven Seagal is just a cook? Like looking at him, would you go, oh yeah, that guy, he's just been a cook all his life? It's, that makes total <laughs> sense. Like you said, he's dressed in black, he looks like he's an assassin. He has he, the captain keeps deferring to him, and even tells Busey like you don't. You, I I can't even explain it to you. Don't don't question him. And everybody's just like, oh yeah, he's a cook. Sure,
3: he really likes his fucking uh, bruschetta. You know that captain really likes his tapenade. odd. And you gotta <laughs> you
2: gotta appreciate how they can cut vegetables at a rapid rate. But not Seagal show Seagal in the shot too,
3: right? <laughs> and how about that just cartoonishly large chef hat that he's wearing? Did yeah. You? Yeah, well, they got so to establish
0: much. that he's a chef because he wasn't dressed like one. I just, wait, wait, wait. Wardrobe. I
3: can't imagine in, re- in real Navy ships, the, the guy wears a chef hat like that. There's yeah. no fucking way that he dresses like he's at a Michelin five star restaurant. Yeah.
2: Excuse me, wardrobe. I didn't say pussy hat. I said Swedish chef hat. You hear me? Go back and do it again. That's what that yeah. was.
3: And it almost seems like, I don't know if they purposely. I actually, I'm sure they do cast short people around Seagal, but he looks like he's, like, six foot nine in those scenes in the galley. Like, those are the smallest fucking They definitely do pick ever. shorter
0: people to be around him.
3: Yeah, he just looks gargantuan.
0: Gary Busey saying, you hit like a faggot, really made me realize how much times have changed. Yeah. Was, the minute that happened, my wife and I looked at each other and was like, whoop, couldn't say that anymore. That would not have, that would have not made it past the second read of that script.
3: He also, like... Hit the shit out of him. Like his face yeah, was and he's bleeding. bleeding when he his said face that. Is so bleeding so kind of from confused. a way you
0: wouldn't bleed from getting punched in the face.
3: You're like, was that a compliment in 92? I
0: don't understand. <laughs> action scenes. The action in this movie is terrible. Almost all of the. This is the most boring action movie I've ever watched. The plot was actually more interesting than the action. And the scenes where, Steven Se- where people were realizing that Steven Seagal is a badass, the trope of people realizing somebody's actually a badass and not who they thought they were. Goes so far into the, like the '80s action, like it's so overdone. But I love it every fucking time when they're like, "You don't." I mean, and I think it's probably started with Rambo. I feel like First Blood was the first one where they were like, once he was started killing everyone, and Colonel Troutman appears and is like, "I trained this man to eat twigs and kill babies." <laughs> and he's like, and the sheriff is like, "Oh shit, we really fucked up this time." Like that, that, that trope is so overplayed, and yet I eat it up every time. Where they go, where they start going through his record, and and Busey's like, "God damn it, I didn't see this one coming." I know. Really? Well, he couldn't because he said the ship, the files were locked up in the captain's safe. Right. But to my point, if you just talk to the guy, he's clearly not just your average run-of-the-mill like schmo who couldn't do anything. Right. Like he's he's he he his dick walks into the room five minutes before he does. <laughs> like, He's obviously a badass,
3: And I think he had already killed, like, five guys by the time Gary Busey was like, he's just a chef. It's like, all right, well, he's a fucking really (laughs) lethal chef at least. You know, let's, like, put a little bit of little fear into it.
2: He could finish second in the Iron Chef competition just by glancing at the meat, right? Just turn it and sear it properly.
3: I did like. Speaking of the meat, that was one of the best scenes in the movie. That I actually did like it. How they just had like a pot roast on yep. the fucking like radar screen, and they're just like tearing off chunks of it.
0: Like also, I thought cool. that was a little it's like, racist, like to just... the the lions in the den at the zoo. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought it was a little racist that he just throws the big Jack Black guy. This, like, barely cooked meat, and the guy just dumps it in his mouth.
3: (laughs) Yeah, he definitely went at it, like, a little too aggressively. Yeah, I did think, like, I hope that wasn't the director's idea, because it does seem a little weird how, like, he just, like, rips into it. Miss
0: July, she is Mm. smoking hot. Mm. Absolutely. It's painful, and I usually don't even like short haircuts, but she pulled the whole thing off fantastically. Her character was absolutely bonkers crazy. She started off at like, like uh, Mo said, this super misogynistic dream of a woman who was just crying and needed the help of a man, and then literally in the like the blink of an eye, she becomes a Navy SEAL. She's suddenly like kicking ass and making decisions and putting, loading up guns, and she's the bad. Like then there was no explanation for how what that what turn that was. If you handed me a machine gun and said, "Listen, we're going to be in a gunfight with a bunch of terrorists," I'd be like, "Well." I'm going to die, and you're probably going to die too because I'm not going to be of any help. She ends up, not only does she survive, she kicks ass and she does kill somebody, which mm-hmm. is bana- The whole thing which is bananas to me. Her character was completely ridiculous.
3: But if you remember, after she killed that guy, like in the next scene, she is just crying. So it's like they're like, but we don't want to just abandon that entirely. Don't, right. don't, <laughs> we're still very sexist in our portrayal of this character. She is now weeping.
0: Gary's Buse- Gary Busey's death. They make this guy out to the, be the biggest piece of shit. You really hate him. And they did a good job making you hate him. And Gary did a good job making you hate him. And he, you really want Steven Seagal to get that moment where he either cuts his head off or shoots him in the face or says something badass like, I'm never serving you again, and then shoots. It's like something. He dies from a missile shot fucking hundreds of yards away and you don't even see, like, I, I don't think you even see him go, oh, shit. Like, you never get any satisfaction of his death. And he's one of the main two people. I wanted him to die more than I wanted um, uh, I mean, Tommy Lee
2: Jones to die. Emily Jones' character was at least interesting and sort of. He kind of did. He kind of did the uh, uh, the Wile E. coyote. The oh shit! hold the sign up as the missile was coming in. When he was looking through the periscope, he kind of gave you that, which I did chuckle. Exactly did, with why the analogy I gave that. Did you Did you get? The,
0: I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right before the
3: oh. big Acme missile. Comes, yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah, I really like. <laughs> I would have liked Steven Seagal to kill him in person and say something about nobody spits in my soup or like yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. give us. Something because you built up this whole tension and animosity, and then you kill him from afar. It just felt
3: like it was a cheat. I think that's fair. The best death in the movie was certainly when he uh, untied like a rope, and then a steel beam went down and like went through a dude's chest. That was yeah. a, that was kind of what you wanted to happen to Gary Beast. <laughs> right? Exactly, exactly. The commando. Mo- <laughs>
0: Let off some steam, Bennett. Bennett, Bennett. <laughs> yeah, like give, give us something. Like every movie, that's what you want out of these movies. You want assholes, and then you want assholes to get the shit kicked out of them. That's all of these like eighties, nineties action movies were. Um, yeah. So, I and we we covered we we covered Tommy Lee Jones acting, but but I felt like for as much as Steven Seagal can't act, Tommy Lee Jones was overacting in every scene. Tommy Tommy Lee Jones was like, "What do you have to What do I have to do now? You have to be a rock star. Well, I'm going to be a crazy rock star. What about now? You have to be a CIA agent. Well, I'm going to be a crazy CIA agent." And, and Stephen Seagal was just like, "Correct. Yes. Correct. That's good. That's very good." Stephen Seagal is the same person in every single movie, and and Mo, you hit it on beyond the
3: head. that. He's the same person in every single scene of every movie, right. and every line is basically delivered in the exact same way. It's right. very confusing. Like, and his eyebrows, no, his eyebrows never no, move. No.
0: People's eyebrows move when they get angry or surprised. His eyebrows stay completely solid the entire time, and he's—you're he, so right. He's so awkward. He's, and I—I I remember in uh, in uh, Out for Justice, he was awkward and uh and what fire below or the fire beneath fire down below oh, that that, that's
3: a deep cut <laughs> yeah
0: but that movie, i don't know why that movie always sticks out of my head when i think of Segal because i think it's one of his weirdest roles where he's like this native he's this yeah he's Eskimo like
3: an, he's like a environmentalist
0: he's but he's also a bad but he's and he's still that he's still wearing black all black and he's still awkward and he has no chemistry with anybody. And you're right. He had no chemistry with Eric Alaniak in this. There was, he had no connection to anybody. He was supposed to have this, like, really meaningful relationship with the captain. And even when he finds the captain, he just kind of, like, puts a jacket over him. And, like, they get that one moment where you were supposed to see emotion in his face. And there's just none. It's just his face. He's, like that,
2: re- he's like that Indian in the end of every – though that's crying the tear yeah. when you litter <laughs> on the highway. He has the same emotions as those cigar store Indians do.
3: And that's why the one scene where he has to get angry is, like, kind of pivotal to the plot. He shoves Gary Busey before the whole takeover, so that's why they put him in the freezer. It's totally unwarranted. Like, Gary Busey spits in his soup, and they just sort of like, Hey, man, God! And he just kind of like, like it, 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 just, it doesn't track emotionally. Like, he just sort of, for some stupid reason, decides to shove him, like, after the fact that he spit in his soup. And so they're like, all right, we have to get him in there. But, like, yeah, he doesn't... That's what I'm saying. He's like an alien. Like, he really is like if an alien came down and was impersonating a human man.
0: Completely. (laughs) Completely. And my last point is, why was Miss July at the funeral
2: of a naval captain?
3: She was in on the naval boat. Garb. Yeah,
2: well, she so was she on the was boat.
3: In she was on the boat. They're
2: they're on the boat on the way home. She needed clothes to cover up.
3: I she was I, I made a note about that. No, they
0: would have I, never let her out there. And if they, I mean, she would have been up on the deck somewhere watching. She wouldn't have been lined up with the naval men, like she was suddenly in the navy. Like I feel like they got to port and she's like, "Well, what's next, guys? What's our next adventure? Because I'm in the navy, right?" And they're like, "No, you're uh, you're naked porn." They got her clothes. No, but I think this
3: is they're they're tying up. The the Steven Seagal is actually gay in this movie arc because by the end while he does kiss the woman one time he does now dress her up as a boy in a male sailor outfit and put her in the, the lineup of the other dudes like it does seem very un, <laughs> an unsexual very kind of and she had the unsexual. short hair You're yeah, right. Yeah, it's a very right. like very gay sort of yeah. like by the end the final image of the heroine is like dressed as a dude with short hair in a lineup of dudes you're like okay, okay I guess like, like, now I'm, I'm ready, ready. Now what's fuck?
0: Uh, yeah, so this—I mean, this movie had—your Mo was right. The movie had a ton of potential. Looking at the plot, which I was actually surprised there was a plot. Tommy Lee Jones should have been really the focus of the movie and his backstory and history and whatever connection there was to Segal's character, but there was none. This was a terrible movie. I think I liked it less than Mo did. I think uh, he did
3: actually. Yeah, because I—I'm—I'm as actually annoyed at myself when I was watching this last night. I'm like, fuck.
0: Well, 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 I'm happy about it. Cuz it's this fucking this was an abomination of a movie. That was slow, it was boring. The action was terrible, the characters made no sense. I didn't care about any. The captain got killed and I was like, "Nah, eh, whatever." Like it just <laughs> didn't care about it. The only one I really cared about was Tommy Lee Jones and then in the third act when he goes crazy and starts ranting about Saturday morning cartoons, I was like, "Well, they fucking ruined him now, too."
3: Like, yeah, that was uh that made absolutely no sense. Like that then you're like, Oh, wait, that's what you were saying when you were pretending to be crazy. Right. Now you are right. crazy. And you know, it's funny that we keep talking about the female character in this because under Siege Two, which I've seen many times, into dark territory, Oof. there is no female character in that at all. There is no love interest. It's just his niece. And it's mm-hmm. just like him protected his niece. But again, there's just like absolutely no love story or anything. Does he
0: kiss her with
2: as much passion as he kissed Erica You No, but apparently Katherine Heigl had the same things to say about him as a uh, as a as a person as the other ladies
3: had reported. So, oh, who were the other ladies? You never told us.
2: No, he did. I said it was um, Portia de Rossi, Jenny oh, McCarthy, right, right. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, Pam yeah, Anderson. Okay.
3: Yeah. Okay.
2: Right. Ke- uh, Kevin, give me a number. Three. Okay. Mo, give me a number. Six. My notes, sponsored by, of course, Gutting the Sacred Cow, So, right where you can go and get shirts like the one I'm wearing right now, guttingthesacredcow.com, and you can get tickets for our live show, For the Love of Christ. Come on there. Come out and see us at the AMC in Clifton, New Jersey, January 23rd. You're going to see us. You're going to see Bill and Joanne from The Morning Show on Compound Media, and we're going to watch The Karate Kid. That's right. Bill and Joanne hate The Karate Kid. Do we hate it? Do we love it? You'll find out. Come get a ticket and see us live guttingthesacredcow.com. Notes! Seagal's first film without his ponytail is like seeing Kiss play without their makeup on. <laughs> However, I take them both seriously as musicians. By the way, go Google Steven Seagal's band. It's funnier than The Naked Gun.
3: Promise oh, I, you. I've, I've listened to it. And he yes. also did the, the, the chief song in Marked for Death with Jimmy fucking Cliff, which is just incredible. That is hilarious. I had no and idea. It's actually very good.
2: I love the lingering shot of Alerica Elaniac's ass as she gets off the helicopter. Snick, snick. What's that? Oh, just the sounds of the social justice warriors sharpening their knives. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones, he's a great villain. Brings humor and levity to the role. You want to laugh at him and be afraid of him at the same time. Well done. Where the fuck did they get all that those steel I beams to offload those missiles? You sure as shit didn't see that steel and the helicopter with the band and the caterers, did you? Where does That's that a appear fantastic from? Fantastic point. Thank you. I do this fantastic every week. Thank you. There was Where a little like Home Depot
3: from? delivery sub. That yeah. was just What happened? The water.
2: Did the supply ship from Spy Hunter pull up next to it and drop it off? <laughs>
3: That is a weird thing about that movie in general that you have to watch them like just building a ramp. Yeah. <laughs> like,
2: yeah. It should not have been in there. I already said Eric Leniak, top five frozen VHS moments in my house. I give it a 1,000th of 1% chance that Seagal did not attempt sexual assault on Eric Laniac. But if you read like I did, guess what? He had a relationship with her after the movie. Did he really? He
3: did. Wow. Good for like him.
2: Not not as
3: like plaintiff and defendant like a, like a romantic <laughs> relationship. Yeah.
2: As in I have to pay her for the rest of my life and uh my, my checks are being oh god what's that when when when, they, when they non-disclosure garnished. agreement kind of thing. Garnished, garnished. Thank
3: you. There you go. Wow, good for him, man.
2: I love how he just happened to pull out safety goggles as he was kind of unwelding the uh the door. Where the fuck do those come from? Again, Home Depot. Sure. We'll get a drone to drop some shit off with those steel beams. Had a problem with that. The laundry guy had to ask Miss July how to load a magazine. By the way, that same laundry guy played Ken... In the aforementioned Street Fighter movie, which was a piece of shit. Oh, that's a great call! Hey, yes, he did. He's also
3: film. he's also like just like a very offensive like skeezy Italian stereotype. He's like, just say hey, Italian. I- I'll it. stay with <laughs> I'll stay with the fucking broad. Yeah. <laughs> he tries to like make a. I'm movie here on, movie. on the GI Bill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah Bensonhurst yeah. in the house. Okay, he has to
2: ask her to load the magazine. I've never been to the armed forces, but isn't that week two of basic training loading fucking weapons? How, how would she know that? He should be asking her things she will know, like how good or bad of a kisser Scott Bayo is, or what <laughs> casting director she should blow to get to the next level, or how long does David Spade wait to bring up that he's great friends with Chris Rock? <laughs> I write jokes for these episodes, Moe. I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I don't know about you two. How the fuck do you know? I can't believe none of you mentioned this. How do you not want to knee someone right into a saw blade? That's the first thing. That's so cool. That's one of those kills. I'm like, yeah, that's fucking what's up. My choice of people I would love to knee into a saw blade in no order, people who say TGIF unironically or use the term hump day. Number two, uh, yeah, the corporate America speak needs to stop now, and I think a circular saw to the clavicle sends the message quite nicely. Uh, after voicing her displeasure about guns, right on cue, Erica Oleniak somehow becomes a marksman by killing a bad guy that's about to kill Seagal. Suddenly, she became Marcos Duttrell, the sniper from fucking the movie American Sniper.
3: And do you notice that after she does that, there's just a scene of them strolling on the deck? like It's like, it's like now all of a sudden they're on like a date. And then yeah, you link like they the just had guys. a great French bistro for dinner. It really does seem like very dady and strolling. You're like, no, 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 there's still the whole, you guys got to wrap it up. Like, I haven't killed the bad guys yet. It's very weird.
2: In the final battle with TLJ, Segal grabs a knife with his teeth. Like he's (laughs) swimming underwater with a knife in his mouth, trying to climb aboard a ship. And stealthily wipe out a bunch of bad dudes, but then he puts his thumb in TLJ's eye socket. Ah, such horseshit! I love that they ended up the romp this way. This movie is a two-zero fastball for '90s action films, and it still holds up. It is oh. fun. It is yeah. an oh, listen, it's it's not. It has some, but it's not an overabundance of that doesn't happen moments. I like this film. I do. I knew, I I was like, hey, this is gonna be an interesting dance. You're right, Kevin. I had a little bit of trepidation accepting this, but this made a shitload of money. We'll never do another Seagal film. That's why I gave Mo the green light on this one. I give this film... A seven out of ten. I fucking seven. like this film. Seven. Are you crazy? I seven like this. Se-
3: seven seems egregious. It I is, but hard. I told
2: you, listen, is it the, it could be a little nostalgic based, but you know what? I still like it. It's still it, it's it's empty calories. It's shut I could put it on while I do work in the background. Does it pass the remote test? The remote test mo is whenever you're flipping around on cable and you happen to stumble upon a film at any point in the film. Do you drop a remote? Does this film have it? Well, especially during the Erica Liniac scene, let's be honest. A few other scenes other than that. I think it does. It's a guilty pleasure. It's watered down Commando. It's watered down Commando. I like it. It's good. I give it a seven out of ten, and I give Erika Elineak's tits a nine and a half out of ten.
3: Wow, solid. I think
0: we. I'm going to remember it. this next time you give a really great movie a seven, and be like, just so you know, this is on par with uh,
2: <laughs> Under Siege. According all to all right, I'll say I'll say I'll, I'll say a six and a half then. Just to- a. <laughs> Just to cover my ass, if I get something no, else to No, but I'm set. with you, though. It
3: is, like, fucking, it is enjoyable. Like, that's it is. that's where I was kind of stuck with it, because I was like, eh, like, it it, it moves, you know? And it, like, I, Listen, again, I
0: love suspending disbelief, and I love saying that doesn't happen. I love all of that. This movie just didn't bring it together. It was slow, and it drags. I thought and it like, action, When you fine. finally get the action, it's just like, I don't care. Like, there's nothing exciting about it.
3: Uh-huh. It's also so it's kind of claustrophobic because it's all in these little like corridors of the ship which kind of after a while like it's yeah it's just not, it it needs like it doesn't have like any a big chase or any of that kind of like well you, you must know. see Crimson Tide then. And and oh yeah. and you I know actually what? don't I don't like yeah. uh, submarine movies for that exact reason. It's like uh-huh. it just gets a little repetitive. Every every naval movie
0: I've ever seen has taught me one thing. People are constantly sweating on ships. Go back and watch top any gun, navy movie. top gun, They're first always sweating, team. they're always wet, everybody looks moist. That's why I know this movie is bullshit. Nobody was sweating at any point. They're all just crisp and clean. That wasn't a navy ship. Come
3: Out on. of all the unrealistic things about this film, the lack of perspiration <laughs> <this> is just <laughs> egregious.
2: I thought my steel beans would have been the topic I would have said that doesn't happen, but you one up me, you fuck. <laughs> How dare you? Critics, five star reviews. Five-star reviews. Five-star reviews died. by critics. Yeah! If you see only one Steven Seagal movie, parentheses, and you really don't even need to see one, <laughs> be sure it's this one. Next one, vintage Seagal, although that's not much of a compliment. The next one. The, the movie that was almost Die Hard on a Cruise Ship, bad script and acting made up for, by Seagal's butt-kicking, and Lee Jones and Busey in full-on hammy villain mode.
3: Yep. And can we actually just for a second talk about the real Die Hard on a Cruise Ship, Speed 2, Cruise Control? That is truly one of the most confusingly bad movies I've ever seen. And again, I with a very good villain.
2: I did. And I'll tell you what, are you ready Will for this? Defoe.
3: Yeah, I saw this that? in the,
2: I saw no 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 are you kidding me? I saw this in the theater only because my girlfriend at the time she goes I want to go see this I go Speed One's classic we don't need to sully or tarnish our memory of it she goes I want to go and 45 minutes in this I look at her and go and she goes and then she starts blowing me in the theater so that made up for that horrible horrible film she goes I understand and took care the, of the,
3: the, the, the pain of having to blow you was somehow less horrible <laughs> than watching that film is a moral She's like, you I, know who what, this thought is Jason ten. Patrick was going to be a superstar when they cast him as like the Keanu of that movie. Like there's nothing about that guy where you're watching him where you're like, that's an action hero. He should be in a movie. Just like Mo, a movie.
2: How many people do I would love to see how many people actually turn that down. The over under is 29 and a half.
3: I think you're right. Yeah. He looked like a guy like, Like, if he was managing a target, you'd be like, "Eh, he's pretty good looking for a a target middle manager. You know, he's not bad looking for that. But, like, he's just not good looking enough or athletic looking enough or cool looking enough to be a fucking movie star. Well, hold on. Very weird.
2: Keanu Reeves, before he knew he could do the Matrix shit, which he had to be trained for, he was in how many football films, yet he doesn't know how to throw a football.
3: That's true. I mean, then again, he can't run, and he's supposedly a fucking ninja. (laughs)
2: Next one, Die Hard on the Ship. The Steven Seagal star is a hard-charged, perfectly detonated actioner that should especially delight, especially macho mainstreamers. It's a lot of especiallys in there. The story, ridiculous and formulaic though it is, is told with a certain wit and panache. Hmm. Critics one-star reviews. Critics one-star reviews. Critics one-star reviews. <laughs> I'm sure the wife or girlfriend, I'm not sure the wife or girlfriend would approve, but for the man of the house, it's above average beer and pretzels material material, excuse me. Under Siege is dumb formula stuff. Sensory jolts by the numbers. And I boys, I kid you not, those are the only negative reviews I could find on Under Siege for one star. I shit you not. The rest said, quote, not available on Rotten Tomatoes. That's a first.
0: Wait. You can cut this out, Kev. I found a list of characters who were cast in, who were considered in Speed Two.
3: Oh God, I want to hear this. This No, this
0: this is staying in the episode. Now, you kidding me? Go, Simon Baker Denny, who I don't know who that is. Wow, John Bon Jovi, (laughs) (laughs) Pat Patrick Muldoon, Jesus,
2: Jonathan Shach. This is this is the people who turned it down. What was their budget for the lead role? Forty five thousand dollars. Christian Slater. And <laughs> Billy Zane. What the bad guy from Titanic?
0: Uh, wasn't was too busy. I can't believe. Andrew Bullock initially suggested Matthew McConaughey, but he said, "No,
2: no, no." <laughs>
3: At that time, what the fuck was Matthew McConaughey even doing?
2: Time to a amazing. kill. A time to a kill. I think was out by then. Days and confused. That was like because I, I was what was it? Days and like, confused was technology. his first. Yeah, but I think without even doing the math, I think Speed Two was like ninety. 98, 97, 98. Ooh, there you go. 97. They, they fell. Oh, I'm so good at this game, which is useless. It, it pays me nothing in dividends. So one of the things that
3: – I was just going to say, one of the things with Speed 2 that they got into a problem with the same way that, like, the problem with, I think, this movie that we're talking about is that it's just such a claustrophobic kind of just by the setup that's on a battleship. Speed 2, you can't make it look like a cruise ship is going fast. Right. So every time they would cut to the wide shots of the cruise ship, it was just like, and the music would be like, and you're like, it looks like they have all the time in the fucking world. It just somehow doesn't work.
2: I've seen glaciers move faster than that boat. Ninety <laughs> right. seven, uh, McConaughey had a contact come out. He also, listen, good. Know, here's your answer. A Time to Kill came out in 1996. You know how you know that? I saw it in the afternoon right before the Yankees, Game 5 of the 96 World Series. So that's how I know that answer. Okay, who gives a fuck, Kevin? Non- nonsense more nonsense. Amazon five-star reviews. Amazon five-star reviews. It's time for Amazon five-star reviews. Five-star reviews. This movie is a cut above most shoot-em-up action movies. Good sets, layered drama, extremely watchable. Okay, there was one or two silly scenes that you would never see in a current film. Gary Busey in a dress? Seriously? Seagal, back in the day, looked like a million bucks and played the highly trained Navy SEAL undercover hero with his usual panache. Second time using that word today, somebody. Tommy Lee Jones really stole every scene with his murderous, insane rogue agent masquerading as a nutty rock star. Next one, I leoke Steven Seagal movies, and Under Siege is one of my favorites. I have Prime, and I thought that I could watch movies free. However, I had to pay $3.99 to watch it. <laughs>
3: This yeah, isn't is my- even there wasn't even a non HD. Usually yeah. on Amazon, you get like a, a dollar off for doing non HD. This one, they're yeah. like, Nope, oh, you need this in HD. <laughs> you you want to see this panache, you got to get that <laughs> HD. Guess
1: what? I
3: have work tits and <laughs> it's eye daisy Pix- <laughs>
2: pixelated. Guess what? Kevin Goatee owns this film. He has to pay. Shit. Uh, this is the first time, this is my first time watching movies on Prime. Will all movies? I like have a price tag signed Anderson Cooper. <laughs> I have seen over the years most of Seagal's films and I think this is the best one. He's young and fresh and feisty. Delicious to watch. Signed Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, this film That seems like fil-
3: makes sense. That seems like Dahmer's taste. Yeah. I know that's how he feels about cinema.
2: This film is a blast. I think it holds up but, but I am also 39. <laughs> <laughs> the best cake feeling I have ever drooled over. Oh, okay. Someone's making a very uh, esoteric reference. Someone's making his own bed. Am
3: I the only one as a kid watching those? I always thought they came out of real cakes. So did I. Th- I. <laughs> it's just very disappointing when I found out that like, they just come out of like a shitty stage prop cake. You
2: know, I never thought about that before until now. And I was thinking, oh, you know what? He's right, because I couldn't think of any cakes. I would just see her come up with, like, icing that just explodes everywhere. She's got red and white shit all over her face. And and the bride and the groom helmet on on hers? No. That'd be be the best wedding cake surprise ever. Amazon one-star reviews.
1: Amazon one-star reviews.
2: Poor acting, weak plot, gratuitous violence. The Destroyer gets overtaken by a rock band? Right, and then all these accomplices come out of the woodwork, and how did the submarine get overtaken? Dumb plot. Does this moron actually think the caterers were at a rock band, were really caterers at a rock band? Holy shit, I bet this guy also thinks Millie Vanilli sang all their
3: songs. Also, the submarine didn't get taken over. He just threw a bomb in it. Yeah, No, and they also, not drove, but... Piloted the submarine
2: to meet it. They didn't take it over, asshole. They were meeting to get the missiles.
3: Yeah, this guy—that's that's too—that's too, that's too negative. He's not really giving it a chance.
2: <laughs> Seagal's imitation of Bruce Willis Die Hard pales in comparison. I often wondered how Steve Seagal got a break in the movies. He seems possessed with the acting talents of a lawn gnome, and his martial arts skills seem to consist of nothing more of a series of stuntmen performing flips, slips, and pratfalls all around him. Every time he blinks an eye, I would love to see him in an actual MA competition. I don't believe he would get very far. He just seems too phony to take seriously, and such his movies suffer. Again, wait till this guy has to watch the show Lawman, where it takes him two and a half hours to get out of a cop car. You know, he does make a good
0: point, though. It does seem like Steven Seagal saw Die Hard and was like, I want to be him. Oh, yeah. There were so
3: many of those movies, man. Like, Die Hard just started this trend of, like... You know, it was like that. It was speed. It was like, there was just like. Well,
2: that's it, you're exactly right. Because every guy who, who, who shopped that movie, ready? Because it's always when you pitch shows, it's this meets this. This is Die Hard in a boat. This is Die yeah. Hard in a bus. This is Die Hard in a plane. You know, Air Force. Yeah, yeah, that was what.
3: That was a uh, Con. No, no, that was pastor Fifty Seven. That's Die yeah, Hard Or, play, or,
2: or right? Air Force One, whatever. Or both. Right. Uh, the president and uh, Die Hard in a Yes, exactly. The
3: biggest fuck you to Steven Seagal is that movie Executive Decision. Yeah, they used him in the preview. Oh, and he dies gets in ten minutes, minutes. Seven 10 minutes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, am amazed he
3: agreed to do that? Uh,
2: Fifteen million dollars or whatever the payday was.
3: As a kid, I was like, you know, you, your parents. You very rarely get to go to a movie, and like, I really, I'm. I was a fucking – maybe this is why I'm bitter about Seagal. Maybe this is all just anger about that movie. But I picked down one to see Seagal in the movie, and he died. die, and you're like, what the fuck? Is this – I just got for the rest of the movie?
2: <laughs> Kurt Russell is quite dele- dreamy and delightful. But, man, I also plunk my $8 to see Steven Seagal whip ass on a plane. Was it, <laughs> that was Kurt Russell?
3: 100%. Yep. Was it a Yeah, I yep. kind of forgot that. I, I do it's know in the that – the theater because it's Seagal. It, but it was also that really cool thing where the planes went like this. and they In, in like, between, Dots. wait,
2: wait, I said they connected. Yeah, that was cool. And then he yeah, dies when cool. he got uh, compromised. You're right. <laughs> Next one. Tommy Lee Jones gets so tiring so fast. His hardline acting approach gets old instantly because in every movie he plays the same character. Yeah, him and, him and JFK in this role as Clay Bertrand, Clay Shaw, same exact role as Under Siege, guys. He's as dimensional. Get ready for this one. As a Family Circus cartoon. <laughs> By the way, Family Circus and Peanuts, the two worst cartoons that grace us. Oh, fine. eat a Peanuts. dick. Peanuts, I've laughed I hard. Lo- Charles Schultz is a genius. I laughed harder looking at my fucking credit card bill than fucking you Peanuts. You have no soul. Those specials are terrible. They are for dumb people. Uh. who only like them because of the music, and that
3: is it. Next. Uh. Agree with the Family Circus for sure. i don- I never understood how that is a thing. Yeah.
2: That's for people in the Midwest who... Laugh at, Well, that's what she said. Jokes. The waste of time and film it took to make this can only be salvaged in a 10-second scene. Erica Laniac popping out of the cake. I mean, wow. Talk about a perfect body. Her mammary, mammary protuberances were off the chart. Seriously, this woman is perfect. Except for that brief bit of nudity, this film should be burned along with Sylvester Stallone's classic prison movie, Lock Up. Signed by one of the two kids who said milf, milf, milf in American Pie 1. Mm. Not John Cho. After seeing this movie, I developed a tumor the size of Seagal's ego. I have had it since removed, and chemo seems to be working. But I must warn you to check your health insurance to see if it covers treatment for Steven Seagal-based cancer of the soul. Guys, you could see him doing a bucket mic spot at the... uh, (laughs) <laughs> the Grizzly Pear, 8 o'clock Monday nights here in the West Village.
3: <laughs> Last... the Grizzly Pear, deep cut comedy you like, reference. You like that? Thank
2: you. Yeah, I did. We're in the biz. Last one, and always my favorite. It is Seagal. It is Steven Seagal, and it is the 80s, and that's what it delivers. You could tell this person anything happened in any time frame, and they believe it. Like, buddy, well, you know the Civil War ended in 1969? Sure. JFK killed in 1062. And Columbus made his voyage on
3: 9-11. Well, I do think it's funny when when a lot of those reviews were saying, like, it's the best Steven Seagal movie because, again, you're like, yeah, it's just a very low bar. I want to get back into this Van Damme thing. A couple of the things that you're wrong about. Van Damme, let's not forget, I know I said Universal Soldier, but also he did um, Time Cop, which was fucking great. Good, good. In, in, in Hell. Remember that? In- no, oh. I never heard of that. In hell, he goes to prison. You know, he's got a great. He kills the bad guy. Got a great one. Knockoff was good. Maximum Risk was good. So I don't know. I just think he's no. a soul do Oh, thing.
2: are you are you going to try and say sudden death where he's on the hockey player too in the Pittsburgh? Yes, sudden death. It's moments. No, yeah, that it's moments. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I, Maximum I, I Risk with Sam. Natasha Henstridge. I saw that in the theater because after seeing Species, I was a man. Uh, I was a changed uh, man. She was. Fantastic. Yeah,
3: Van Damme never never fails.
2: Mm. I'll take Al for <laughs> justice. I'll take this. Above the law, even with an elderly, elderly, she's not that old, Pam Greer, and above the law. And hard to kill, one of the best lines ever. You could take that to the bank, Senator Trent, the blood bank. His lines are so creepy. (laughs) I love how he's been dormant for eight years in a coma and suddenly has the arm strength to even use a broom to pedal his ass out (laughs) on a hospital bed outside. And, oh, it's, it's, it's gloriously bad, but also good. Kevin Israel, did Mo Mandel gut the sacred cow? I don't
3: think he did.
0: No, nope. but I think I did.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, you, you, you definitely outgutted it for me. <laughs> I got to say, thumbs uh,
0: down on that gutting. This is a this 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 movie is a. I, you know what? To quote Kevin Goatee, this movie is an abortion. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, I I think I think Mo even talked himself out of the
3: gutting. Uh, I tell you, like I know, we were going back and forth online, and trying to pick a movie, and I could not think of a movie that I love or that I hate that everybody loves. I guess I'm a sheep. I was like going through so many beloved movies, like yeah, kind of, I kind of like that one too, you know.
2: We've had a few of those. Don't don't feel too bad. <laughs> oh, Mo, this is a fucking, this has been a hell of an episode. And speaking of Mo Mandel, where can we find you? And what do you So I to?
3: have a podcast, uh, two podcasts. One is called Jews Control the Media. It's about all things Jewish and just about media and an over-the-top funny uh, podcast. I do another Jewish comedian called Jake Silberman. Also, I do a podcast with my wife who is a bona fide dick surgeon, and it's called The Full Release. And it's like a uh, love line. She's a doctor, sexual medicine, and I am not. And we just sort of like take sex questions and interview different people and – uh it's good. It's really fun. I,
2: I have a question. Your wife, yeah. I'm sure, gets all the shittiest, hackiest lines dropped to her on a daily basis. What's the one that she told you that legit made you LOL?
3: One old guy drew a smiley face on the head of his dick, and so when he pulled it out, <laughs> and was, yeah, that was pretty funny to me. She didn't find <laughs> it funny at all, by the way. But really it was pretty hilarious. Yeah. Good. I bet you. Also- you know what? That's
0: fascinating. I always wonder what makes doctors pick certain, like, like foot doc. Like, who? What guy woke up and was like, you know what? I just want to look at gross feet all day.
3: The it, funny thing is now, like, uh, since you know she's a urologist, so it's like I have a friend who just got a vasectomy and like it kind of didn't go well, and it, and he sent me a picture of his balls. I was like, can you show this to Ashley and see what she thinks about it? Is this? I'm like, no, <laughs> dude, I'm not not going to do that.
2: <laughs> Kevin Israel, where can we find you besides not getting your dick snipped? Uh, KevinIsrael.com. My album, The Struggle Is Real, is on iTunes and everywhere. So I was going to say KevinGoT.com, and more importantly, GuttingTheSacredCow.com. And our show, January twenty-third. We're hoping that lockdown ends by January twenty-third. GuttingTheSacredCow.com. Every day has your articles, your list of ten that we do. And so on and so forth. Check it out for some nice bathroom reading. You know, why not get paid to read our articles while you work and poop at the same time? That's our motto. And of course, get a cool shirt, bag, hat, guttingthesacredcow.com, GTSC podcast. And that's that. Mo Mandel, this has been a hell of a discussion. Yeah, I thoroughly awesome. enjoyed appreciate having it,
3: you on. No. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate you uh, letting me come on. You know, this is the first time I think in my career and in my personal life I've failed to be negative enough. my standup special on Amazon. It's literally called negative reinforcement. And here I am being like, I kind of liked it. So
1: the first time for everything, I guess.
2: Glad that we could be the first Kevin Goatee, Kevin Israel, Mo Mandel. We'll see you next time, guys. Take care.
1: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.